listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. And it's October, which means it's Reformation Month, which means we're singing Martin Luther hymns, which means we get to talk about Martin Luther hymns on Hymn Sing today. I have my big book out in front of me from the Lutheran service book companion to the hymnal, which if you have not bought yours yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go order it. It's well, okay, that's that is fair. It is coming. Christmas is coming, guys. Put this on your list if you don't already have it. It is totally worth your money, especially if you love digging into history and culture and hymns and texts and tunes and people, like anything revolving around hymnody, this is totally worth it. So there's my little commercial for CPH. Tis the season, y'all. And so we're going to dig into the two hymns appointed for the Day of Reformation. And if you didn't know there were two hymns for the Day of Reformation, we're going to talk about that. (laughs) It is not just a mighty fortress. There is a second one. Wait and see. Quite obviously, before we get to that, uh, we can't talk about Reformation hymnody without talking about all of Martin Luther's hymns. And we won't talk about all of them because that would literally take like a 10-part podcast. We'll just briefly review all of these things. So Luther wrote <laughs> Luther wrote 36 hymns, which is less than Paul Gerhardt, by the way, but Luther was a busy guy, so that's fine. Music played a huge role in his life and he understood that music and theology go hand in hand i know there's some like famous luther quotes about how music is right next to theology is like god's greatest gifts or something along those lines music played a huge influence on him during the time of the reformation and he grew up in a house and school environment that were steeped in music and music was a source of comfort for him he didn't have an easy life if you don't know a lot about luther there are parts of his life that were just not that great but music was a huge comfort to him and he also felt strongly that the church should sing in their native language so he wrote all of these hymns and liturgies in german and encouraged others to do the same js bach was even inspired by this fervor for good theological music to be in the minds and hearts of the faithful. So uh, his influence spans far beyond when he lived. So I know I'm not the only one who thinks that a hymn is a Luther hymn, and it turns out that it's not. (laughs) Or or there's a Luther hymn, and you're surprised that it is a Luther hymn. It goes both ways. So these are, I'm going to give you the full list of the hymns that we have of Martin Luther in our Lutheran service book. So one of them is a text model, which is 582, God's word is our great heritage. And then here's the list. From heaven above to earth I come. I think that's an obvious one. Stanzas two through seven of we praise you, Jesus, at your birth. To Jordan came the Christ, our Lord, and the tune for that one. Christ Jesus lay in death strong bands and the tune for that one. That one is one of my favorites. Stanzas two and three of come Holy Ghost, God and Lord. It is really hard for me to say these names of hymns without singing them. Triune God, be thou our stay. So do it. (laughs) Dear Christians, one and all rejoice. And the tune for that one. These are the Holy Ten Commands. From depths of woe, I cry to thee. I love that one. Mm -hmm. Stanzas two and three of 617. Oh, Lord, we praise thee, bless thee, and adore thee. I know that one's going to come up later. (laughs) Jesus Christ, (laughs) our blessed Savior. Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Love that one. That is such a great one for kids to learn, too. A mighty fortress is our God, obviously. 
In the very midst of life, stands a seven of this body in the grave we lay. Our Father, who from heaven above, stands as two through four of to God the Holy Spirit, let us pray. That's a beautiful one to meditate on too. May God bestow on us his grace. In peace and joy, I now depart. And the tune for that one. I love that one. We all believe in one true God and the chant tune for that one. And Isaiah Mighty Seer in Days of Old and the tune. And that is one that I had no idea was a Luther hymn until yesterday. (laughs) And then he did the translation for Savior of the Nations Come. Grant peace, we pray in mercy, Lord, and all glory be to God alone. So from this list, that is a long list. He has uh, hymns for the six chief parts of the catechism, which is a really cool way to to instill the ca- the parts of the catechism. And if you're doing a catechism cate- cate- catechism class, or going through the catechism with your kids, or uh, just reviewing the parts of the catechism on your own, there's a, a hymn for each of the six chief parts, which is cool. So for a confession and absolution, it's from depths of woe I cry to thee. For communion, it's O Lord. Re- we praise thee for the creed. We all believe in one true God for the 10 commandments. It's these are the holy 10 commands for the Lord's prayer. Our father who from heaven above and for baptism to Jordan came the Christ, our Lord. So those are, those are like the, the Lutherist of Luther's because they're the six chief parts. <laughs> and then on top of all of that, we have divine service five, which Maybe some of your churches are doing this October or maybe just doing for Reformation. At my home church, we do it all through the month of October. So we get it more than just on the day of Reformation, which makes it super duper cool. And if you're not familiar with Divine Service 5, maybe suggest it to your uh, music director or your pastor to at least review it. It can be a little tricky for congregations because it's hymn based. So it can be a little harder to follow. But I know right now in COVID age, a lot of people are printing their entire service, order of service and bulletins so we don't have to touch as much stuff. So this might be a good time to try it because you can just print the whole thing in the bulletin. You might kill a lot of trees. However, you could do (laughs) Divine Service 5, maybe make it a little easier. So the music for Divine Service 5 actually comes partially from this list too. So the Kyrie is... Hymn 942, Kyrie Godfather in Heaven Above, which is not a Luther hymn, but it is a traditional Latin chant translated to German in the 1530s. So Did he translate it? I don't think so. Please hold. Okay. <laughs> what should our weight music be? I think our whole music is Girl from Ipanema. Take it away, Brie. How about a Mighty Fortress is Our God? Done in a Bossa Nova style. Oh! <gasps> Fortress is our God. A mighty fortress is our God. A sword and shield victorious. Okay, sorry. Continue. <laughs> it is not translated by Luther. It is translated by Gustav Polak. Gustav. Gustav. So. The Gloria is 948. All glory be to God alone. The Creed is 954. We all believe in one true God. The Sanctus is Isaiah Mighty Seer in days of old, of course. Which I just realized like two weeks ago that the word sear isn't like you're searing beef, but it's like a seer. 
Isaiah mighty seer, like a prophet, duh, right? I just your mind is just blown by this entire hymn. Like everything that word finally made sense to me. I don't know. It's it's such a good hymn, though. Anyway, the new stay is from Divine Service Three or Lamb of God, Pure and Holy, which is also not Luther, but that's okay. And post-communion or during communion, there's three you could do. Oh, Lord, we praise thee, or may God bestow on us his grace, or in peace and joy, I now depart. And that one is definitely my favorite. I just I love Nunc Dimittis across the board is like my favorite part of communion liturgy. It probably makes me tear up every time. It's fantastic. It's good. <sighs> so it might be unfamiliar probably worth the time to at least learn it maybe learn it on your own it's it's really cool and then you get these great hymns at divine service five the idea of substituting canticles with hymns that you can even if you find that you need to step in gently and not you know throw in all the luther hymns at once we used to do in our in our congregation divine service five with other more familiar hymns subbed because the idea is that you find a hymn that basically says the same thing as the canticle and put it in there. So for the Sanctus, maybe our congregation isn't quite ready for Isaiah, mighty seer, the prophet, not the cooking <laughs> in days of old. You know, we try it and folks have struggled with it a bit. So we sub in holy, holy, holy instead. Right. Yeah. Um, but the spirit of divine service five, you can honor that with a variety of different hymns and songs and it works really well and and creates a very musically rich service it's true i continue to sort of think through how young sarah pictured this in her mind she's like well isaiah i mean there were the angels and the coal and that weird <laughs> things and so that's probably is that's because i have have a number of those similar sort of things where I'm like, I don't exactly know what that word is, but I know the con I'm like making it up from the context. And I'm like, well, I know this about Isaiah. So he was the, he was the seer cause the angel and the coal. That's my, that's my imagination of what, how you got that in your head all these years ago. <laughs> so Isaiah is the seared seer. Right. <laughs> Okay, we were going to talk about Luther hymns. <laughs> yes, we were. Okay, um, before we go any further, Divine yeah. Service 5. So you were saying that, and I was flipping through it as you were talking, and I was looking at some of the songs. Um, they are not ones that my church typically, it's not in our typical rotation of hymns that my church sings. But I was looking at them, and I was like, I know some of these melodies. Yep. And I realized... I know them from this Schutz. Heinrich Schutz has this, the musicalish, I don't know how to pronounce this, musicalish exican? Yeah. And it's, it's like, 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 it's Oh, man. Huh. Okay. Good guy. Well, 
the description of DS5, uh, I do have a description from the Worship Institute booklet from 2017 that uh, Chaplain Sean Denzer sent me. So I'm just going to read you what this says. This gives you a little bit more of the background of where DS5 came from. It uses classic Lutheran chorales as the form for the ordinary, which is the parts of the liturgy we do all the time, as opposed to the propers that change every Sunday, like the intro, gradual, alleluia verse, etc. So following in the path of Luther's famous Deutsche Messe of 1526 and keeping with many of the liturgies found in the church orders of the 16th and 17th centuries. In 1856, the Synod published an agenda for the congregations here in America based on the Saxon order known as the Herzog Heinrich, first published in 1539-1540, that made use of this tradition. This was put into English in 1881 as church liturgy for evangelical Lutheran congregations of the unaltered Augsburg Confession, Synod's first liturgy for English-speaking congregations predating the publication of the Common Service. A form of this service was published as late as the Liturgy and Agenda, last reprinted in 1936, just prior to the publication of the Lutheran Hymnal. Lutheran Book of Worship, Lutheran Worship, and Lutheran Service Book all honor this tradition in Lutheran liturgy, with the inclusion of a service that features these classic chorales. So that's a bit of the history of how all of that got to be in our Lutheran service book. And it all stems back to Luther's Deutsche Messe of, of 1526, which is pretty cool, which is also why we call it the like the Luther's, Martin Luther's divine service, because it was inspired by him. So in the spirit of all of this, <laughs> I did post a poll on Facebook asking for people's favorite Luther hymn. And there is a long list in that poll. Obviously, no surprise, A Mighty Fortress is very much at the top of that list. After that, though, we have Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. From heaven above to earth I come, and we all believe in one true God. And they're all good. I mean, I can't really rank anyone after at all, really. They're all great hymns. But from this list, for the three of you, which one maybe surprised you if you have one that you didn't know was a Luther hymn, and or which is your favorite Luther hymn? And Actually, go. my answer is the same for both questions. Ooh, okay. That's fun. From heaven above to earth I come is my, is it technically an advent or is it a Christmas? I think that's Christmas. Is it? I think it's Christmas. You're right. Favorite Christmas hymn, probably of all time. I didn't know that it, that Martin Luther wrote that one. I had no huh. idea, but like reflecting on that now, when I saw the poll options, I was like, oh, I didn't know that, but I, like, Looking back on it now, I think it it makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think that Martin Luther has this ability to like incorporate like story and narrative into his hymns, and I think that this this hymn in particular is very good at doing that. It's sort of capturing this excerpt of the Bible where the angels went, uh, come and visit the shepherds on the day of Christ's birth. So yeah. I, it's a good one. It is I good love one. it. It's just one that I've come to love over the years. I don't have a reason why, but I also That's love fine. Christmas. So <laughs> Christmas plus Martin Luther equals my Works favorite. for me. Yeah. I voted for a mighty fortress and we all believe in one sure God. And honestly, I'm impressed that it got as many votes as it got because that is really not an easy hymn to sing at all, which is why I think, again, 
my church never sings it. So that's one I learned from chapel at work. And I like it because of the sort of catechism connection to it, as I think what drew me to it initially when I was doing a a big catechism review one year. But I'm impressed that it actually came in number four with quite a lot of votes. But in our conversation today, now that I like made the connection between the the Schutz album, which I honestly, it's in German, so I really just listened to that and enjoyed the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm liking In Peace and Joy, I now <sighs> depart because... <laughs> It's so good. I actually know that tune. So now now that's maybe my new favorite one, even just now today. So it's such a good one. <laughs> All right, Rachel. Well, I have a I have a few favorites. I mean, I I voted for like six different hymns. Which um, is allowed. <laughs> it is allowed. One that I like that no one else I ever meet seems to like is from Depths of Woe I Cry to Thee. It's such a good <laughs> one though. I tried adding that into a Nash Wednesday service once when I was a choir director and it was a complete flop. Oh. Like, so That's like the perfect Ash Wednesday hymn though, I feel. Yeah, it is. It's exactly what I thought. Oh well. That's so Lutheran. But my favorite, <laughs> my favorite Luther hymn, Sarah, did not win because it only joined the party after I sent mm. you a message saying, um, Sarah, where is this hymn? It was, it was a gentle rebuke. I, I, I saw, I saw the exchange. It was a gentle rebuke. Wait, hold on. Before you throw me under the bus more, which I told you you were allowed to do, from depths of who I cry to the is the appointed hymn for Ash Wednesday. So. <laughs> Okay, anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> the hymn that I love very much, and a lot of a lot of Luther hymns for me, with the exception of A Mighty Fortress, which everyone like, you know, is born loving if you're Lutheran, I think. Um, <laughs> the only question is which tune, and let's not get into that today. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> not today, Satan. Most... <laughs> Most Luther hymns for me have been an acquired taste mm-hmm. that like, you know, I love Christ Jesus Lamb Death Strong Bands now, but 10 mm-hmm. years ago, eh, mm-hmm. not really. And so I'm just growing to love and appreciate them more as I get more mature. But this hymn that I love best, I have loved it since I was young. I love, oh Lord, we praise thee, bless thee and adore thee the communion hymn he technically only wrote stanzas two and three which is probably why you didn't think to put it on the original list um but he took he took what had been a common sort of hymn of thanks and praise circulating around you know the german catholic and then later lutheran communities and added some extra verses and made it really even better and I love the dancey tune. I mean, you, this is this is something you're skipping back from the communion rail. Oh Lord, we praise Thee, bless Thee, and adore Thee. I mean, it's it's impossible. It's not catchy. To. Yes, exactly. And the 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 words are so rich, and it for me really encapsulates what you are supposed to take away from communion is really nicely expressed in this hymn. Mm-hmm. So. I love it. I can't decide whether I like the TLH version or the LSB version better because I, and some people have complained about this. They, they updated the, the translation in the LSB, LSB of stanza three. And it took me several years to actually figure out that this had happened because I remembered from my childhood that there was a mention of behavior, right? Yeah. 
favor and be yeah so the the tlh stanza three begins may god bestow on us his grace and favor to please him with our behavior right and i was like this is the only hymn in the book that has, tells me to behave um <laughs> and then when the when the new hymnal came out i was listening for and i never heard behavior and it says may god bestow on us his grace and favor that we follow christ our savior which i love that too but it's 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 different. It's a slightly different accent. I think that's about the only change they made in that hymnal switch. Mm. But it, I, I definitely noticed it and raised an eyebrow. And I like both versions. I'm very happy to sing either one. <laughs> that's why I can never sing that part of it right. Because that's this is a communion hymn that I grew up on. So it's one that has now been memorized into my head. But I always trip up on that stanza. And that would be why. I didn't realize it. Yep. The words that's are different. <laughs> Pick the version you like and belt it with all your heart because That's right. no it's rules. just a beautiful, beautiful, fun, bouncy hymn full of joy. I just had an image of you, Rachel, returning from communion, but you're like doing the Charleston. <laughs> you're dressed like a flapper and that song is playing and you're Charlestoning back to your seat. More imagine me in like a smocked dress, sort of skipping and hopping through the woods. Uh, no, nope. <laughs> no thanks. Because that's what my heart is doing, just dancing. Mm-hmm. This is another one that I didn't realize was a Luther hymn, probably until I looked through this list a couple of days ago, because it doesn't really seem like a Luther hymn. Um, an interesting <laughs> tidbit from the the hymnal companion that uh, that I looked up right before we started recording. This, if you remember back to our Easter hymn saying, and when we talked about the sequence of Christ Jesus lay in death strong bands and how it alternates between that and Christ is arisen. This one is actually the same way back in ancient liturgies. This, oh Lord, we praise thee was alternated with one of Thomas Aquinas' sequences during communion. So it's another part of the ancient liturgy that we have updated into our hymnal, which is super cool that we get to sing the stuff that people were singing in Christian churches in the 1400s. So good choices. Can we talk? Did everyone go? Because I'd like yeah. to address the elephant in the room. And that is, thy strong word is not a Luther hymn. Thy strong word is not a Luther hymn. I possibly think that was a Luther hymn. Because it sounds sad. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like a, like no, a sad, scary as hymn. As Rachel instructed us, it sounds strong. Yes. <laughs> Minor is sad, modal is strong. Modal is fantastic. Fine. And one but day we'll have a Franz and him sing, so we'll get but to I it cannot, I cannot be the only one who thinks that he wrote that hymn. You're probably not. I'm pretty sure at one point I also always got tripped yeah. up because I thought that he wrote it and he totally didn't. He didn't. But it sounds like something he might have written. You're right. That's definitely going to be a him sing. Yes, now. there will be a Franz and him sing. I can't wait for it. At He's some point. Sarah, <laughs> before, I mean, we, we have to, when Bree said elephant in the room, I wasn't thinking thy strong word. I was thinking the genuine elephant in the room that we're talking about all our favorite Luther hymns. We've bounced around it. And we have not yet actually confronted the true elephant in the room which is everybody's favorite luther hymn mighty fortress yeah <laughs> give us some give us some little little tidbits little little gems i'm getting there that's at the okay. end of my notes 
<laughs> the final pages. Just as long as we get there eventually. It oh, is wow. actually the final. I, I promise it is in my notes. I have one more little tidbit of history. This is partially a story time episode too. I forgot to tell you that at the beginning. And this is also For Rachel's what? fault because she. Just like one of those, one of those hymns where, Oh Lord, we praise thee is essentially a two for one hymn, which when it isn't, Maybe your all-time favorite you feel somewhat betrayed by because you are essentially singing two hymns for the price of one. <laughs> it feels <laughs> like it's not such a bargain. Uh, <laughs> okay, so this, this story time part that I had to throw in here because Rachel threw me a bone when I was deciding what to do for this episode, and this is really fun. So the very, very first Lutheran hymnal was published in 1524 which is just seven years after the 95 Theses and six years before the Augsburg Confession. So this is like hotbed of Lutheran thought and figuring out what Lutheran theology even is and Reformation and everything. There was the first Lutheran hymnal. This book is called the Acht Liederbuch or Etlich Christlich Lieder or Eight Songbook. It literally is eight hymns. It was put together by Martin Luther and Paul Sparatus who I will come back to in a minute because he plays an important role in all of this. And it's it's literally eight hymns, but it's not like a hymnal book like we have. It's more like sheet music. And there were 27 pages for eight hymns, which seems a very Lutheran thing to do. Um, they had hymns and then they had all of this scripture that backed up the hymns because, you know, hotbed of Reformation Lutheran theology, if you're writing hymnody, you're going to back it up with all of the scripture you possibly can, right? Makes sense. So the original title of the book, let's see if I can say this all in German because it's really, really long. Etlich Christlich Lieder Lobgesang und Salmen, dem reinen Wort Gottes gemäß aus der Heiligen Schrift durch Mankeli Hoch gelehrter gemacht, in der Kirchen zu singen, wie es dann zum Teil bereit zu Wittenberg in Übung ist Wittenberg, which literally translated means <laughs> several Christian songs, hymns of praise and psalms in accordance with the pure word of God from Holy Scripture, produced by various highly learned individuals for singing in the church as, in part, is already in practice in Wittenberg. And there's eight wow. of these. Shots <laughs> fired, my guy. That is a really long title. Yes, it is. So, 27 pages long in the first four pages of the title. Right? <laughs> it's the title. It's fantastic. I think at one point I mentioned in one of these podcasts how awesome the titles of all these hymn books were from like yeah, the 15 and 1600s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so long. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So these eight hymns were, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice, Nun freut euch, lieben Christen gemein, which is by Martin Luther. Es ist das Heil und kommen her, Salvation unto us has come by Paul Sparatus, which we will come back to. In Gott glaub ich, das er hat, by Paul Sparatus, which is In God I Believe That He Has Created. I feel like I've heard that one. I don't know where. Hilf Gott, wie is der Menschen not? by Paul Sparatus, which is God help as the need of men is so great. Ach Gott, vom Himmel sei darein, sie darein. Uh, o Lord, look down from heaven, behold, which is in the Lutheran hymnal, number 260, 
And if you have a Lutheran hymnal in your possession, I highly recommend you go look this one up and sing through it. It is a fantastic Reformation hymn that did is not in Lutheran service book. Es sprich der unweisen Mund wohl by Luther, which is the foolish mouth speaks, Psalm 14, verse 1. Der Psalm de Profundis by Martin Luther or aus tiefer Not. From depths of woe I cry to thee. That one made the original eight. And in Jesu Namen wir heben an, in Jesus' name we begin, which was like more of a choral thing for two voices. So notice something, the elephant in the room. A Mighty Fortress is not one of the original eight hymns. No. Which is very interesting. And sad. It was actually written later, and I will get to that when I get to my notes on A Mighty Fortress. So this first hymnal was probably published in Nuremberg. Three of the hymns are Luther's. Three of them are from Paul Sparatus, and one is anonymous. Like I said, the eight hymns take up 27 pages because of all of that scripture. But it makes sense because during this time, pointing all of our beliefs and confessions and anything directly to the scripture that backed it up was super duper important. And I kind of wish that we would do this again. I mean, we have the little references at the bottom of the the hymns for where all the scripture is, but wouldn't it be kind of cool if we had like another supplement (laughs) that had the hymns and all of the scripture written out? We'd have like a 10 volume hymn book in the pew though, which may not, I don't know. I think it'd be worth it, but some churches would really love that. So was a mighty fortress already written by the time this little hymnal was assembled or no? Nope. I will get there. Oh, it was not okay. written yet. Okay. I mean, I'm sure if it were written already, it probably would have made it in, but it was uh-huh. not written yet. Okay. So out of these eight, a few are in our Lutheran service book, Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice, Salvation mm-hmm. Unto Us Has Come, and From Depths of Who I Cry to Thee, which are all still like really solid Lutheran oh. hymns that if you don't know, you should totally get to know because they're really good. And then, of course, Oh Lord, Look Down from Heaven, Behold, that was in TLH. So... I mentioned at the very beginning of this (laughs) that there are two appointed hymns for Reformation Day, which maybe you didn't know. One of them is Salvation Unto Us Has Come, which is also appointed for the day of Setuigasma Proper 20 Series A, and A Mighty Fortress, which is also hymn of the day for Lent 1. So first, Hmm. now we get to talk about the hymns. (laughs) We made it. First, Salvation Unto Us Has Come, which is one of my probably actual top five favorite hymns of the actual top five, not the top five that has like 50 in it. Wow. Salvation. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard you narrow it down that far. That's that sweet. one's uh, by grace song. I've saved. Those are two of the actual, actual top fives. Okay. Are you mean for today or for always? That is a good question. Today anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Salvation Unto Us Has Come has been a favorite of mine for a very long time. So it's actually in the justification section of our Lutheran service book, but that totally tracks with it being a Reformation hymn. Uh, It's basically a poetic prequel version of Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession. If you read through it and read Article 4, it says the same thing, which is good. It's uh, the alternate hymn of the day for Reformation, but it's a great one anytime you need a 10 stanza justification whack over the head. Yeah. (laughs) So there for your good. <laughs> is it, do we still have the original 10 verses or do we have like, did this originally take place over like 27 verses and they carved 14. it down? There were 14, 14 originally. Okay, okay. We have 10 of them. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So 
only slightly pared down. It's <laughs> uh, written by Paul Sparatus, who lived 1484 to 1551. He was born in Swabia. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. I also had to Google where that was because I've heard of it, but I've never actually known where it was. It is a cultural, historic, and linguistic region in southwest Germany, just west of Munich. And fun fact, Augsburg is in Swabia because it is part of Bavaria. Very I cool. Think if it's southern Germany, you'd be saying that Schwabia. Schwabia. That makes more Schwabia. sense. Schwabia. 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 Sparatus wasn't one to be silent when he disagreed with what the church was teaching, which made him great in the Reformation. He left his home in Schwabia to study at French, Italian, and German universities. So he was a smart guy. He became a doctor of canon law during this time and received a doctorate in theology from the University of Vienna. He was ordained around 1506 and was a preacher at various places. He got married which was a bit of a problem for him because the Lutheran church didn't exist yet and Catholic priests weren't allowed to marry. The Bishop of Vienna even accused him of heresy after asking him to preach and then accusing him of heresy because he criticized the prohibition of clerical marriage. So during this time in the early 1520s, he was greatly influenced by Luther's preaching and managed to find a preaching place in Iglo in Moravia, which is now, I'm going to butcher this name, Gilava, Czech Republic. I don't know pronunciation for Czech names. But he was put in prison for a little bit because of his call for reforms of theology. He finally made it to Wittenberg in 1523 and translated many of Luther's writings from Latin into German, including the Formula Missae, or his order for the Latin Mass as observed in Wittenberg. Luther called for more German hymnody in this work, and Sparatus responded to the call with his wonderful hymn, Salvation Unto Us Has Come. Luther himself recommended Sparatus to Albert, Duke of Prussia, to be his court preacher when the Duke was introducing Lutheran theology to his land. And there is a whole lot of history surrounding the Duke of Prussia and all of his influence on Lutheranism. Go look that up if you're interested in Lutheran history in Europe. It's There's a lot there. Sporadus worked really closely with many students who came to Königsberg, which is now Kaliningrad, Russia, at the time he was there. He was a huge influence on a lot of theological minds, which is really cool. Six years into his preaching at court, Sparatus was appointed bishop of Pomezania with his seat at Marienwerder, which is now, oh, there's Polish names in here too, Kvijin, Poland. If anyone knows Polish, please correct my pronunciation. <laughs> he worked to influence Reformation theology in the parishes during his time as bishop. So he was a huge influence for Reformation theology wherever he was. He wrote seven hymns, but Salvation Unto Us Has Come is definitely the most well-known and widely sung. I'm not even sure what the other six are. So this hymn originally had 14 stanzas, 10 of which we have in our Lutheran service book. We're missing the original stanzas 8, 11, 12, and 14, but it's still a good hymn without those, and I'm not even sure what those say. <laughs> You'd have to be sleeping to miss the clear law and gospel of this hymn and all of the doctrine of justification. And this one, along with Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice, 
which has the same tune. If you know those hymns, they are both the same tune. They are the first two hymns in the first Lutheran hymnal, and they speak clearly the teaching of the Reformation. So very uh, strategically placed. In the Liederbuch, the heading under this hymn says, A hymn of law and faith, powerfully underlaid with God's word. It takes up three pages, and not just because it has 14 stanzas. <laughs> two of those pages are laid out with all of the scripture references for each stanza. And you can see this list in the LSB Hymnal Companion. So this hymn is chock full of scripture on justification. This hymn is also in two hymn books from Erfurt in 1524, both named Enchiridion, which means handbook. And it's paired with Dear Christians, One and All Rejoice in both places with all 14 stanzas and the same tune. It's also set polyphonically by Johann Walter, and he published it in his 1524 Geistliche Gesangbuchlein, which has come up before in one of these hymn sing podcasts. I don't remember which one, but it is in one of those. Pretty cool pretty cool hymn book. And the hymn in that one, the hymn melody appears in the tenor part. There are also several pages in the Lutheran Hymnal Companion on how various translations and hymnal publications have altered the text in minor ways. So if you are interested in how hymn texts evolve through different hymnals and different translations, you should find a hymnal supplement and check that out. There's literally a couple of pages of, of minor tweaks that have happened over the last several hundred years. The tune was not new in the 1524 book. It has a history that spans before and after the hymn, as it's the same with a lot of the other German folk hymn melodies, which are not bar songs. Come Someone on, brought this Sarah. up. Someone brought this up. I think it was uh, Cheryl Magnus. It may have been Cheryl Magnus in the Facebook group. Luther did not write hymns to bar songs. They're folk melodies. <laughs> and they're old folk melodies. But if you think potato, about it. Potato. <laughs> well, they, they get the bar. They're called bar songs because there's a repeat bar at some point in the middle of the melody. Uh, that there's a it's it's a musical notation thing. Oh, not it's not a, like pop thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. In the, in the public house together. <laughs> It makes sense that, that you'd use folk tunes for hymnody, though. If you want people totally. to start singing hymns and you're writing new words, you'd probably use tunes that they already know. I mean, it makes sense to me. I don't know. Yep. All right. You ready for it? We are at a mighty fortress. Oh! Moment. So to answer your question about when it was written, it was probably written between 1527 and 1529. So oh, just, just after. Missed just missed it. Just after the first hymnal, but still before the Augsburg Confession was presented, which I find it really cool that all this hymnody was being written before the Augsburg Confession was presented. This was a tumultuous time in German history and for Martin Luther himself. An epidemic had hit Wittenberg. Luther was seriously ill. The Turks were threatening Germany's borders. Catholic armies were threatening. The Catholics and radical Protestants were lodging theological threats. All of that was happening all at once. So no wonder Luther wrote a hymn based on Psalm 46, because everyone kind of needed it. So we think of this hymn now as one of these, as this great battle hymn of the Reformation. In Luther's day, it wasn't quite so much that. I mean, the Reformation wasn't celebrated at his time because they were literally living the Reformation. So it wasn't like a thing that we have today. The broadsheet 
from 1529 says it's a hymn of comfort. That is a different take. And it stayed this way, actually, as a solemn hymn of comfort, probably until the mid-1600s when Lutherans took versified psalms, like as this hymn is, uh, which were usually put all together in a separate section of the hymnal, and they separated them out into topical sections like we have today, which I think is an interesting historical hymnity tidbit that we have a lot of hymns in our current hymnal that are versified psalm kind of hymns that are all spread out. But at one point, those were all together as psalm hymns. It might make a lot of sense that this hymn has been translated into English many times, but three translations are the most well-known. Thomas Carlyle's 1831 text, A Safe Stronghold Our God Is Still, is popular in Britain. Frederick Hedges, Frederick H. Hedges' version beginning, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God, A Bulwark Never Failing, is popular in America. Some of our... (laughs) Some of our podcast people might know that one. It is not a favorite in the Lutheran Ladies Lounge, though, (laughs) at least among the four of us. (laughs) I think I sang that one once and it was very confusing. My brain didn't know what words I was supposed to be saying. (laughs) Uh, The LCMS, however, uses a translation from the 1868 Church Book of the General Council, which is a theologically conservative Lutheran body. It's probably the closest to the German, uh, and it isn't all that poetic. It's not frilly like some of the other translations are. However, we all know it so well that we love it anyway. (laughs) It is ingrained in our LCMS DNA. So it's just, you know, you kind of just come out of the womb knowing it, I guess. The alternate translation for 657, which is the the other version, was first in the Lutheran Book of Worship in 1978 and in Lutheran Worship in 1982. So I am not going to start a war about which tune is better because I said I wouldn't. However, I'm going to give you the facts (laughs) so y'all can decide (laughs) which one you like better. I have my own personal favorite. (laughs) So Einfesteberg isn't actually assigned to Luther anywhere, like written down, but no one really questions that it was his. We all just kind of generally agree that, that this was his tune. Lutheran Service Book 656, which is the rhythmic version that one is the original one so that is luther's supposedly probably more than likely the isometric version for 657 i can't even do it i can't do it there you go that one can't even sing it. That one came about later during the 1600s, probably as part of a really interesting historical phenomena in congregational singing that influenced a lot of hymns and evolutions of hymns at the time. And I think I've brought this up before. During this time in the 1600s, congregations were singing in these huge, really live, echoey churches without organ accompaniment. So singing began to slow down. And can you imagine singing? slowly dirge so over generations it kept slowing down and slowing down and so this effect was multiplied and by the early 1700s singing was so slow that the rhythmic effect of this tune and, and other rhythmic like classic rhythmic tunes it was totally lost and all the notes became equal so 
When German hymns started becoming popular in England in the 1800s because of Catherine Winkworth and her translation of German hymns into oh, English, what? equal note tunes were the ones that the British used with their German translated into English hymns. Fascinating. Huh. And so because huh. they were that way in British hymnals, that's how they ended up in American hymnals because of the language. So we have all of these classic rhythmic German hymns that became isometric because of the way congregational singing evolved and then we end up with them in our hymnals. I would just like to, in a, a note of defense for the 657 isometric version of this, and this is not my favorite, I will come right out and say that I think that the the syncopated rhythmic version I think is much more fun to sing, but... Our LSB 657 was arranged and set by none other than Mr. Johann Sebastian Bach. Right. And so for me, I cannot, I I gotta have love for people who like that version better because. Yeah, we can respect that. Bach, come on. Yeah. I mean, the harmonies, yeah. the the interplay of the, the melody, the lines, oh, just really nice. But if he'd done it rhythmically, that would have been even better. <laughs> And so there, there are pros and cons for both of these. I mean, Bach's version, you can't argue with Bach. I mean, you just no, can't. No, you really can't. Who so, would? Right. So, I mean, there, there is a time and a place for both of these. I will not start a tune war. <laughs> there is a time and a place for both. I love singing the rhythmic version in church as this nice hymn, belting it out. However, when we sing in choral groups and we get to sing Bach, the isometric one is the way to go because it's because it's Bach. I just had a vision of the potential civil war that could break the lounge apart. And that would be to like call for an actual taking of sides on this particular issue. We can, never do, things, we can Aaron, never do it. Of all the things, Aaron. do it. Of all the things. Yeah. That would do it. So let's just say not in 2020. No. 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 This year has put us through enough trauma no. already. We don't need, yeah. we don't need that. This. No. We the won't. And so if, you try, if you try to sneak a post through trying to ask about that, just know we're not going to approve it. No. Nope. No. Guys, I have a confession. For your yep. own safety. I'm, I'm team 657. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Brie. Lutheran looks a lot of different ways. You're allowed. You're allowed. That's right. Well, and, and Bach lived at that time. Bach lived 1685 to 1750. Mm -hmm. So he was part of that trend of the isorhythmic. I mean, it, it makes yeah. sense, right? And this one was, so this BWV 030, is that what it is? I'm Googling this. I'm not really this smart about all this stuff. I'm totally looking this up while we're going. BWV 80 is Einfestberg. And it was published in 1821 after his death. But Bach was during this time. So, I mean, it makes sense that he would have been using those. And he's a genius anyway. So, of course, he knew he what he was doing. He likes everything neat and orderly. He took yeah. a crazy, chaotic brawl of a hymn and turned it into something <laughs> neat and orderly. And, and beautiful. Okay, good for him. That is fine. Yes. So, yeah. coming back to the tunes, okay. though, there is some yeah. awesome Lutheran pride going on with this one. Thanks be to God for CFW Walther, for all of you lovers of 656. <laughs> He was one of the Germans in the 1800s who wanted to revitalize the rhythmic melodies of German hymns. So his oh. congregation in St. Louis actually held rehearsals to relearn the rhythmic tunes to the hymns. 
since his first hymnal for the young synod, the LCMS, only had texts and no tunes. So they actually got together and learned these rhythmic, old rhythm, I guess it wouldn't have been that old to them, but these classic rhythmic German tunes to sing to their new hymns. Mm. Because of him and his congregation and this hymnal, the LCMS adopted the rhythmic version and the rest of the world caught on to that revolution. Yes. Yay. The original tune wasn't fully restored in Germany, though, until 1950, which is not that long ago. Uh, in the Evangel- Evangelisches Kirchengesangbuch through LBW, the rhythmic tune came back to the Episcopal, Catholic, and Presbyterian hymnals. So it's kind of come full circle now, thanks to CFW Walther. <laughs> so mm-hmm. even if you like 657 better, which is fine... You can also be proud of our LCMS for restoring the original Luther tune for the rest of the world. Yay! Yay. And that's that's all of the notes that I have. I am curious, though, do all of you stand for A Mighty Fortress whenever you sing it? Because some churches, that's like a thing where whenever we sing it, we stand. In other churches, it's not really a thing. Judging by all of your faces, none of you stand. <laughs> Uh, no, we stand if it's, if it's the opening hymn, because we always stand for the processional, but um, not if it's the hymn of the day, no. Yeah. I feel like it's a mixed reviews, uh, or mixed mixed approaches. Sometimes it's been standing, and sometimes it hasn't. I, yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm in, on the fence on that one. I was, I was a member of one church that it didn't matter when the hymn was or what it was sung for. If it was a mighty fortress, you stood up. It's like the national anthem. Yes. It's yeah. for national anthem, guys. Anthem. I mean. <laughs> well, and, and truth be told, you can get more volume if mm-hmm. you're standing when you sing science. So mm-hmm. if you really want to diaphragm top of your lungs, even if the rest <laughs> of the congregation is sitting, go ahead and stand so you can get that extra few decibels of volume on your <laughs> might be that person experience. They will all come with you if you do it though. <laughs> Here's my question, because, you know, you were saying that there's these two traditionally acknowledged Reformation hymns, Salvation Unto Us Has Come and A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. And indeed, A Mighty Fortress Is Our God is the one that I grew up with. I was like, well, there's just there is only the one Reformation hymn. It's that one, of course. Mm -hmm. But, you know, now as I'm looking at it, I'm like, this doesn't actually so much seem to match up with really the whole concept of the reformation like salvation unto us has come clearly the text of that really matches the the themes of the reformation much more so than a mighty fortress is our god i've i've always actually ever since i was um i think it was during my time as a missionary is when i looked at this hymn and i was like this is clearly a hymn that is the lutheran response to spiritual warfare Mm-hmm. And so I feel like sometimes there's like this sense that somehow Lutherans pretend that spiritual warfare isn't a thing. But I'm like, no, this hymn is like, it's all about spiritual warfare. Luther was about that. It has, mm-hmm. it has like, it is a strong response to it. Here is where, here's how we respond. Here's where we put our faith and trust. And anyway, it's, it's great for that. But Reformation, I don't know. Yeah. So why... What is it just because it was sort of Luther's most popular hymn that it became associated with that? Or is there something I'm missing? 
I know it became popular with the Reformation later, like in the 1600s, maybe. I'm guessing that may have happened when the hymn was moved to the topical section of the hymnal Mm -hmm. rather than singing it as an actual psalm. Because it is, I mean, it's a paraphrase of Psalm 46. I would encourage people to actually use it as a hymn of comfort rather than thinking about it only as a Reformation hymn, since that's what it was originally written for. I have a theory. Yeah. As to why salvation unto us has come has waned in use. And that is because it has 10 stanzas. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Mm. people. (laughs) And because you cannot, you literally cannot cut out any of this. You can't cut the hymn in half and have it still work. Right. You kind of need all 10 stanzas. Just like you can't have the gospel without the law or the law without the gospel. This is a law and gospel hymn. If you start it, you gotta be in it for the long haul. And so I think that probably a mighty fortress with its relatively compact four stanzas was just a more practical choice for Reformation Sunday. However tragic it is that we don't do salvation unto us has come. It's exhausting. I mean, it's like the entire story of sin and salvation in 10 not very short stanzas. And so you really got to be committed to uh, tackle that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can split it up, like saying half of it before the sermon and half of it afterward or something like that to make it a little mm-hmm. bit more manageable if a congregation isn't quite up for singing 10 stanzas. But I would also encourage you to just do it. Give it it's a only go. 10 stanzas. <laughs> Alternate men and women if you have to. Outfit, but it's fine. <laughs> no price to pay for good theology. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, guys. So the other thing I'm going to share, and this we talked a little bit about things you you think about as a kid. I don't think I thought about this one as a kid. Honestly, this one came to me, I'm pretty sure, as an adult. But anyway, in Mighty Fortress is our God, there's the one line in it in the first verse that I always have like this visual image. And there's like this showdown happening on a big battlefield, right? Mm-hmm. And and like there's the devil and he's got he's got his dread arms and one of them is named Deep Guile, and the other arm is named Great Might. (laughs) He's named his his arms as as he's getting ready to face down with Jesus. And so... That is fantastic. They're like in, they went. He went to like things. Sim, things remembered, and it's like two guns that are like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He might, he might have a tattoo. Like one of one of his arms is tattooed. Deep guile and great might. Deep guile. Yeah. Say hello, my friend. Deep guile and great might. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Jesus, just you know, the lamb. Yeah, he's like, you come at the king, you best not miss Satan. When, when I was a child, I, I it took me a while to figure out because the, the first stanza ends, one little word can fell him. And mm-hmm. then the stanza ends and I'm like, well, what is it? What is it? What's the yeah. word? I yeah. want to fell him. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, it's in the next stanza. Just keep singing. It'll come. It's fine. <laughs> it's like a secret. They're like, wait, it's a cliffhanger. <laughs> That's important. <laughs> So ladies, I know uh, the poll is still up in the ladies lounge. If you want to comment on there or share your story of your favorite Luther hymn. And if you like me, love, oh Lord, we praise thee. <laughs> go for it because it, it's coming from behind. It's an underdog at this point. It got a late start. And we need it to is coming up. I was impressed. Help me out, ladies. 
Happy Reformation, ladies. Go join our group on Facebook if you're not already in there. Find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Aaron. I'm Team 657. <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> we still friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge. I was just going to say, Bri, I want you to draw me a picture now of Isaiah, like, stabbing a, a seared steak? steak or something. <laughs> I'm going to draw the prophet Isaiah as a steak. Can we be fired for that if we circulated it? Maybe. Maybe. Let's clear it with the OTP first. Oh, man. <laughs> Cistercian. I love the Cistercians. Me too. They're cool. I wonder how they're doing these days. I don't know. They were like the uh, McDonald's franchise of monks in the Middle Ages. Every <laughs> monastery was like built to the same specifications they had this like wool empire that was <laughs> wait where is that located there's a just kidding i mean this is, is it... cistercians they're all over europe there's a really famous ruined one in the north of england i think um, where is Mainz? germany well, okay because the heading for this hymn is not it's like it's not like modern german it's like a combination of german and old english what, so where is mine? Na der Kommunien danke Gott V-N-D-E Sprick Oh, you're not wrong, actually. It's in the Rhineland. Yeah, that would make sense. Uh-huh. Yeah, because this language is not it's not totally German. It's a cool looking language though. Yeah. Almost getting up into the uh, good Viking country there. Yeah, it looks more Viking-ish language than German. Vikingish. <laughs> Gotta love the Rhineland. Man, that is a rabbit hole. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ
its way unceasing. The task was useless and in vain. Our guilt was ever increasing. None can remove sin's poisoned dart or purify our guileful heart. So deep is our corruption. Yet as the law must be fulfilled, or we must die despairing, Christ came and has God's anger stilled, our human nature sharing. He has for us the law obeyed, and thus the Father's vengeance stayed, which over Since Christ has full atonement made and brought to us salvation, each Christian therefore may be glad and build on this foundation. Your grace alone, dear Lord, I plead, your death is now my life indeed, for you Father, Son,